Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. I'll tell you what, do you remember last Wednesday, I saw the midweek message, I said, what's all this rubbish about a storm coming in, the sun's out, blue sky over the hills, beautiful day. Within minutes of finishing the podcast, the heavens opened, hailstones, wind, the wind just whipped up out of nowhere, it went dark, from the sun and blue sky, I'm thinking, well, I've got to put the light on. What's going on here? So the storm did arrive, but then it <laughs> it disappeared. And we had sunshine, a gentle breeze, a lovely day, blue sky again. And then it sort of came back. I don't know what's going on. So where are we at the moment? It's uh, 10.44, 13th of April, Thursday, I think, 2023. I know what year it is. I have to look at my dementia clock or Alzheimer's clock or whatever they call it because I just forget so I know what year it is. (laughs) The weather at the moment is 10 centigrade which is 50 Fahrenheit, 69% humidity, 1063 millibars so the pressure's risen a little bit and the flag flying quite vigorously from a, a westerly wind. It's blowing fairly vigorously. We've had all sorts of uh, trouble down here on the south coast. Funnily enough, it it seemed to miss our road. But there's been disruption and all sorts going on round here. It just missed us, which is uh, rather good, I suppose. Anyway, what's this episode all about? Back to village life and people thieving and all sorts going on (laughs) in village, in the village life back in those days plus a load of other stuff. So, oh, before further ado, thank you for all your emails. Lovely to hear from you. Raiserants at protonmail.com. And yeah, without further ado, let's go. A few of you have asked me more about the the life in the village where I live, where I was a parish councillor, in fact. And one thing came to mind. The other day I was talking to a friend. He's had his lawnmower stolen from his, his shed. And which is unfortunate because he wants to mow the lawn. And it just reminded me, when I was a a parish councillor in the village, this chap said to me, I knew him vaguely, he said, I've had my bike nicked. (laughs) So our village was not like that. Stuff didn't get stolen like that. You know, you could leave things out in your front garden and they wouldn't walk. But this chap's bike had gone. He said he'd left it outside the pub. One evening, he used to cycle down to the pub and then cycle home again, or should I say wobble home again. And he'd been to the police station, because we had police stations then. (laughs) We had police stations. And the local plod, evening all, he's made a note of it, and okay, look out for it. He never did get the bike back. It had just disappeared completely from the village. We thought perhaps initially kids had taken it, not that kids should be outside the pub, at closing time, what, 11 o'clock at night? But you never know, someone might have been passing through and thought, oh, I have that bike. And then something else went missing. Someone had a, a statue in their front garden, one of these sort of, only a small Eros-type statue thing. That disappeared. Again, down the police station, and uh, I got word of it, and I knew the chap, I went round to see him. Woke up one morning, he said, and it's gone. I'm looking out of the window. What's missing? He couldn't work out at first. What's missing? There's a gap. Oh yeah, the statue's gone. We were heading in the village for a spate of these little thefts. I say little thefts, they were were minor. They weren't houses broken into at that stage. Just the the bike from outside the pub, 
the statue from the garden. Someone else had some gardening tools taken from their shed. The shed had been left open, by the way, which people did back then. You didn't have to lock everything up. And it was brought up at one of the parish council meetings. We all sat on the stage and then members of the public, the village, would come and sit down. And someone put their hand up and said, what are you going to do about all these, these thefts that have been going on? And the local policeman was there, evening all again. Do you remember Jack Warner? Dixon of Dot Green. Fantastic programme that was. In its day, it was brilliant. Evening all. <laughs> it's come to our notice that a statue of Eros has been stolen from someone's front garden. Eros. What was it? The, the god of erotic love or something? Eros? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. So someone brought this up and other people all mumbling. Oh, yeah, I've had this stolen. Oh, I've had that stolen. So it was becoming quite serious. It, in fact, it was a spate of thefts at that time. As I said, we weren't used to this in the village. Nothing got stolen. So what was going on? We put it all down to one person because what is it they call it? The MO was the same. You know, it was garden tools, things from gardens, bike, nothing inside houses, fortunately. At that point, anyway. Bear in mind, those were the days before security cameras and lights coming on as soon as you walk up someone's path or driveway. Didn't have any of that. And being a village, uh, the roads were what we call in the UK unadopted. They weren't owned by the council. So there was no street lighting unless you put your own lighting in. Some people did. I had a, in our front garden, I had a, a street lamp that I'd bought. I bought it from some, some junk place over in Yapton. Do you remember the Yapton Metal Company? I went over there and he had this lamppost, this old metal lamppost. How much do you want for that? I don't know what he said, whatever it was. I said, I'll have that. And uh, he delivered it. I'll talk about deliveries later. I said, I can't get that in the car, obviously, and uh, I haven't got a roof rack of, of any sort. Oh, I'll drop that off. He said, give us your address. I'll drop that off. No charge. He just dropped it off one evening, I suppose, after he'd finished work, dropped it off. And it was a lovely lamppost. I put it just inside the driveway and I had that on a time switch. But basically the street lighting was non-existent. So at night you had to rely on people's own, you know, their private lamps and whatever they got in their garden or on the front of their house. And very often there was nothing. So it really was pitch dark, ideal for a thief to wander around unseen. The local policeman, bless him, I won't mention his name, but uh, he was a lovely chap, but he wasn't really, I was going to say he wasn't really up to policing. He was good. He was good. If you lost your cat, he'd put notices around the village. Have you seen this cat? But when it came to something like this, he didn't really know what to do. He kept an eye out. He told us at the, at the meeting, when I cycle around, I'll keep an eye open for the stolen items. Never know, Eros might, uh, hello, seagulls have gone mad. Are we having a approaching storm look at that the wind the winds from the east not nice and i believe we're going to have some rain anyway that's all beside the point what was i saying oh yes he was going to keep an eye out for eros in case it turned up in someone's garden eros <laughs> and of course it didn't turn up no one's going to take a statue from someone's garden in a small village and put it in their own garden because obviously people will say, well, look, there's Eros, that's the, the stolen statue, it's over there now. As the thefts were increasing and someone's house did actually get broken into, one of the bungalows, in fact, in a road round the back of me, someone broke, well, I say broke into the bungalow, 
the people. It was a lovely summer evening. They were in the back garden. They left the windows open, as you would do. You know, it's summertime, your windows are open. Someone had gone round the side of the bungalow and hopped in through an open window and they'd taken the video recorder. Now, back then, this is when video recorders first came out and they weren't cheap, but someone had gone off with the video recorder. They'd unplugged it, taken the leads and everything, not just gone in there and ripped it out. They'd, they'd done it properly because the people were in the back garden totally unaware of what was going on. Anyway, this person, this was the summer evening, so it was still daylight. So what a few of us decided to do was, not, not a vigilante group as such, but wander around at night. <laughs> you picture this, wander around at night, a group of us, perhaps split up and keep an eye on things. Just wander around, seeing what's going on, who's out and about that shouldn't be. We couldn't do that every night, of course. People had homes to go to, you know, people had wives and children. They couldn't go wandering off all night. So what we used to do was <laughs> mainly at the weekends. Funnily enough, that's when the thefts tended to be, at the weekends. So what we would do is spend the evening in the pub, Friday and Saturday night. After the pub, go wandering around the village. Now, one evening... I was with one of these chaps. We were talking about going home. It had got pretty late and we were just saying, oh, let's go home. Nothing is happening. And we saw a figure cross the road up in front of us. Now, bear in mind, it was dark. If I remember correctly, it was sort of moonlit a little bit. So you could see this figure cross the road and it went into someone's front driveway. So there's us tiptoeing up the, <laughs> up the road, torches at the ready to light up whoever it was and we saw this person go down the side of this bungalow we followed and they went into the shed which was not locked went into this shed so we crept down the garden opened the shed door shone our torches on this figure who had a, a balaclava on do you remember the the knitted balaclavas my mum knitted me one or two when I was young and I was forced to wear them to school in the winter, this balaclava. It's basically a woollen thing you pull over your whole head. There go the seagulls again. And there's two eye holes and a kind of mouth hole. <laughs> it's like a, it's just like a huge woollen hat thing that goes right down over to your shoulders. Anyway, we said, OK, balaclava off. You know, you've been caught, balaclava off. So the thief pulled the balaclava off, realising that yeah, that was it. The game was up. <laughs> evening all. No, I don't know where the copper was. He was probably in bed. And it was a girl. And it was a girl that we knew from the village. She was, what, 18, 19, this girl. And I won't mention her name. We call her Mary. And we're both saying, Mary, what are you doing? And she looked all sad. Oh, dear, I'm sorry. We said, what's going on? If your mum and dad find out, when we tell the copper, you're going to go to prison. I mean, she wouldn't have gone to prison. I don't know. She might have done. Anyway, we we took her back to my friend's house, who I was with, because he was only lived down the road. My, my place was quite a way away. So we went back there with her, sat her down in his lounge, and asked her what on earth she thought she was up to. She told us her story. Her dad had lost his job. He'd got the sack. In those days, you could get the sack for doing badly or whatever at work. Whereas these days you can't, you can't get the sack, you know, what is it, HR, human resources or whatever. Well, you're not allowed to get the sack. It wasn't your fault that you did this or that. You're not allowed to sack people. But in those days, you could get the sack. I don't know what he did. I don't know what he did at work to get the sack. 
and he had no money, and they had quite a few debts, and she'd taken it upon herself to go around stealing things, and she was selling them, these things, to shops, second-hand shops, junk shops, all that, all that sort of thing. In fact, uh, the bike she'd sold to a bicycle shop in the town nearby. It was a lovely bicycle shop. I knew it well myself. And she wandered in there and obviously said something like, oh, look, here's my old bike. Do you want to buy it? And he'd given her whatever for it, fiver or whatever. That's where the bike had gone. The Eros statue had gone to a stonemason in the nearby town. I knew of the stone place. They, they made gravestones and whatever you wanted. And she'd sold it to them. This is what she told us. So she was trying to help her parents survive financially until her dad had got another job. Well, we didn't know what to do quite. She was only sort of 18, 19. She, I don't know. She, she was trying to help her parents. But of course, she was thieving. So that was wrong. Anyway, we told her to give back as much of the stuff that she could because she still had a lot of it. Obviously, the bits she sold, she couldn't do anything about. We said, you've got to sneak back round all the houses, replacing the stuff, you know, putting it back from where you got it. And then we will meet up again and we'll talk about it. And she did that. I remember people in the village saying, oh, my, my lawnmower or whatever, my so-and-so has turned up again. It's back in the shed. My gardening tools have come back. And the video recorder... That one was amazing because the, <laughs> the people that she'd stolen that from, when she put it back, she not only just put it back in the house, she plugged it in, wired it all up properly as if it had never moved. I don't know, she must have had quite a nerve to get into their house, their bungalow and do that. But they were baffled. I remember seeing him in the pub and he was, he was saying, I don't understand it. It disappeared. It had been stolen. It's gone. And now it's back. I don't understand it. <laughs> that was quite funny. Anyway, she did all that and we had a chat and uh, basically we we didn't tell Mr. Plod, the local Plod. He wouldn't have done anything anyway. He would have said, oh dear, naughty girl, don't do it again. Because <laughs> he wasn't really interested in policing. He liked sitting in his police station, picking up the phone, evening. Oh, oh dear, someone been prowling round your house. I'll make a note of that in my book. And he'd write down the date and the time and, and he'd wander around and see what had been going on. He just liked, I don't know, he, he liked being the, the village policeman, but he didn't actually want to do any police work, which was quite funny. The girl hadn't been in the uh, village very long. Her and her parents had only been there a few months. They'd moved there a little while ago. So I took it upon myself to befriend her. Well, someone had to look after her, didn't they? Keep an eye on her. So I took that job on myself. <laughs> Obviously. In a village like that, any small, close-knit village, everyone knows what everyone else is up to, what they're doing. Well, when I say that, not everyone. I knew what was going on because I was on the parish council at the time. So I knew what was going on. Now, I was early 20s, bear in mind, early 20s. I think I've told you before about the parish council, how I got on to that. I didn't really want to do it, and I, I didn't do it for very long, because I would rather be out clubbing or sitting in the pub or whatever than in the village hall on the stage, listening to villagers complaining about this, that and the other, <laughs> and expecting me and the others to do something about it. But I did get to know a lot of people that way. That's how 
that's why most people that had the things stolen, I knew that knew them or knew of them. So it was quite a nice position to be in, to get to know people in the village and know what they're up to, know what they're doing, <laughs> and uh, basically poke my nose into other people's business. <laughs> no, don't get the wrong idea. I, I wasn't a, a, curtain, was it a curtain twitcher. You know, these people that hide behind the net curtain. What's going on? Who's that out there? Who's that calling at number 24? Who's that over there at number 68? <laughs> I wasn't like that. Talking of thieving, these days with Amazon deliveries and all these parcels delivered and left on people's doorsteps, you see videos, don't you, on YouTube of people taking them. They follow the delivery van round in their car. The chap stops, leaves a, a parcel on someone's doorstep. He drives off and they nick the parcel. Now, in those days, we did have delivered. Well, most things were delivered. In fact, before then, I'm talking about now, not early 20s in the village, but before then, in the 50s, uh, you know, when I was a child, early teens, everything you could have delivered, more or less everything. If you wanted coal, the coalman would deliver it. Not everyone had a telephone, so you'd go into the coal shop, and there were coal shops. I remember one not far from where I li I'm living now, round the corner from me. I think it was corals. And in the window, they had lots of different uh, dishes with coal in, like Coke, anthracite. I can't remember all the different coals and the prices. So you'd go in and say, right, I want however many hundred weight of that one. And they would deliver it. Now, very few people had a phone back in the 50s, let alone a car. So you'd just go into the coal shop and say, I want this and that, pay for it, and they would deliver it. And it was the same with a lot of things. You could go into a local shop. I remember being with my father. He bought a, a couple of those big, the old-fashioned, well, they weren't old-fashioned then, those big galvanised dustbins. He wanted a couple of those because our dustbins had all rotted. We were going to walk home with them, the two of us. We were going to walk home because we weren't far from where the shops were. And the chap said, do you want me to drop those off? And my, my dad said, oh, that would be great, yeah. And he did, no charge. And a lot of the shops were like that. They dropped stuff off for you at home. You know, after work, they closed their shop up. And on their way home, they dropped whatever it was around your house. All that's gone. In fact, I say all that's gone. There was one chap, he had a little pet shop near us. And up until last year... He closed, closed the shop and retired. We used to buy the rabbits hay. And of course, our rabbits have passed away now. The huge bags of hay and sawdust. We'd go in there and pay him. And he would drop them off on his way home. No charge. So it was really nice. A lovely little shop. But of course, we were loyal to him. Whatever we wanted uh, for the rabbits or for the tortoise, we'd buy it from him. Even though perhaps he was a little bit dearer than somewhere else. We were loyal to him. Anyway, he retired, So and the rabbits have gone, of course. But uh, in those days, people in shops, they would drop stuff off for you, no charge. Oh, I'll drop that off later on. Don't worry about that. Whereas these days, wherever you go, can you deliver that? Oh, yeah, £30. <laughs> Unless you spend over £200 and then it's free. What? <laughs> I only wanted some wood. <laughs> Happy days. I remember parcels or whatever being you know from shops they delivered to the people are out they'd leave them on the doorstep and they didn't get stolen it wasn't all the thieving around back then well apart from that <laughs> that girl in the village bless her cotton socks she was just trying to help her parents her dad did get a job shortly after that he got a job and in fact she I forgot to tell you this but she 
puts the money through the people's door with a little note. Sorry, I stole whatever it was and puts the money through the door. So that was that was good of her to do that. I don't know whether you've listened to my podcast episodes about the village. What was it? Well, the time I was a parish councillor and things going on behind the scenes in villages. Um, have a look back in the, the early podcast episodes. Have a look through some of them and you'll find those. But I did, as I said, I knew a lot about people. I knew what was going on. And I knew one or two... <laughs> I knew one or two things about people that perhaps they wouldn't want anyone to know. I didn't blackmail anyone, of course, if that's what you're thinking. Oh, you could have made some money there. Some of the people were very, very well off. Have a listen to the earlier episodes about the Village Green. Not the Village Green, The um, on the Village Green. That was that song, wasn't it? Was that uh, Billy Arthur and the Furies? Or was it Billy Fury and the Arthurs? <laughs> when you were sweet 16. I love that song. That reminds me of something, always has done since ever I first heard that song. It reminded me uh, on the village green when you were sweet 16. I can't tell you that story, but uh, there was a, uh, not an incident, an episode (laughs) involving someone on the village green many, many years ago now, of course. One of these days I might uh, record an episode where I tell all. Is that what they say? A kiss and tell or something or tell all? I might do that one day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I'll probably get thrown off the podcast uh, host, but uh, not to worry. I'll wait till I'm old, then I should reveal all about my misspent youth. <laughs> oh, before I forget, um, email <laughs> email from Terry. He says, I used to work in a holiday camp not far from you. Well, I know which one that is, Terry. Back in the sixth, uh, where are we? Where's his email? Yeah, here we are, 60s. Back in the 60s, do you know a friend of mine, did I tell you, he and his girlfriend, they went there for a holiday for a week back in the 60s, late 60s that was, of all the places to go. I mean, it's the last place I'd go. But anyway, Terry says he used to work there and he says, have you ever watched Heidi High? Yes, I have. I think everyone has, Terry. And he says it was very much like that. Things going on, dodgy deals with the punters and pretending it's someone's birthday. Oh, it's the entertainment chap's birthday tomorrow. And people would whip round, you know, put some cash into a a hat for him. And it wasn't his birthday at all. And they did it with every lot of holiday makers, every new lot that arrived on the train and on coaches. Oh, it's his birthday tomorrow, campers. (laughs) They all put the money in the hat. And he said that sort of thing did go on. Well, I suppose it's a, a good way of boosting your income a little bit because I don't suppose the wages were too good hello what's this we've got messages coming up what's this oh it's all right news flash no it's nothing important I think the sun's beginning to come out that's good I thought it was going to rain Terry talks about one or two other scams that were going on I better not mention that too much actually Terry because uh, as you say the place is only down the road from me <laughs> someone there might might remember you, some old person that was young at the time. Now, what would they be if someone working there in their teens in the 60s? Yeah, they'd be sort of my age, wouldn't they? And they might still be working there, I don't know. Or remember you, Terry, even worse. You should have changed your name to protect the guilty. <laughs> but no, it was, it was good fun. As I've said before, I've been there on a, a day sort of trip thing. They do open days for people. And I went there when I was sort of 10, 11, 12. 
on the odd occasion. It was all right. It was good fun, but I wouldn't want to stay there. Well, I just have, haven't I, with um, Treasure, middle daughter and grandson, seven-year-old grandson. And it was all right, apart from the weather. But uh, oh, my knee hurt a lot. Now, I'm not going to go on about my knee again. I've told you all about my knee too many times now, haven't I? So we won't talk about my knee. But we will talk about holidays, not so much holiday camps, but school holidays. I liked it when we didn't go away. We went to Wales, stayed in a caravan for a week. We went to Somerset, stayed with uh, my cousins in their house for a week. All good fun. But I liked staying at home because I could go over the woods. I could have my own holiday fun. I didn't need to go anywhere. To be honest, I'm the same now. We've got Trisha's birthday coming up. I said, what do you want to do for your birthday? I said, uh, you know, should we go out for a meal? I'd want to do a surprise. I'd want to do a surprise because I'll probably mess it up. It'll all go wrong. <laughs> it's best that she knows what's going on and she's okay with the idea. Now, I, my idea of a birthday, on my 70th, she said to me, what do you want to do? And I said, stay at home. <laughs> all day. Stay at home and have people round, family and friends round. And that's exactly what we did. That's what I like. I don't like going out. But of course, if she wants to, we will. She did say during the day on her birthday, she wants to go to Arundel Castle. Now, listen. Now, there's a sign of summer. Good grief. That is a sign of summer, isn't it? The ice cream man. Anyway, <laughs> I remember that when I was a kid. Mum, mum, the ice cream man's here. Quick, come on. And she'd have to go out there and open her purse and we'd buy Mivies and were they 99s with a Cadbury's flake in it and stuff? So Trish has never been to Arundel Castle. I have a couple of times. So we might do that on her birthday. Or what was the other thing she wanted to do? Something awful that I didn't like. I like the idea of the castle. Oh, Brighton. She's never been to the, the pavilion in Brighton. I have again a few times. She hasn't. So we might, oh dear, Brighton, can you imagine? Oh, probably on the train. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> Hopefully the trains will be on strike. Then we'll have to go by car. No, that's not good. Parking in Brighton, stone the crows. Honestly, the cost of parking in Brighton be cheaper to get a taxi there and back. Well, the ice cream man's gone. That was quick. He couldn't have had many customers. But that sound though, is it? That is the sound of summer or summer on the way at least. I like that for the evening. I think her birthday is on a Friday, so I did say perhaps Saturday afternoon into the evening, have family and friends round then, which will be quite nice. We can't have a barbecue because I took it down, the brick barbecue, got rid of that. <laughs> well, it was a waste of time. I'd have to stand there in the, the summer heat, cooking all these sausages and burgers. I was on fire. <laughs> it, the heat from the barbie, honestly, it was incredible. What with that and the sun coming down, it was just too much. Here we go. Now what? Oh, it's just, oh that's, uh, no, don't worry about that. All these alerts and things going on. Oh, by the way, our security alarm went off in the night. Woo, 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 woo. It's going all like that. And the woman, is, uh, this Chinese woman is saying, zone something, zone nine, zone nine. <laughs> I'm looking up on my bit of paper by the bed, zone nine. That's the patio. So I looked out the window. The outside lights on the patio had come on. No one was there. It must have been a fox or a cat or anything flying past, you know, anyone near the sensor on the patio under the roof there, it would set the alarm off. So no intruders as such. Well, animal intruders, but not human types. Now, this chap wasn't an intruder, but in the village all those decades ago, chap knocked on my door 
And he said, do you want any gardening done? He had a hand cart with some gardening tools. And I said, no, no, thanks. I, I do my own. And he said, well, you know, is there anything I can do? It must be something that I can do for you for a few shillings, so to speak. You know? And I said, well, I haven't got any cash for a start, which I didn't have. And I felt a bit sorry for him. And I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't have any cash. Anyway, he moaned. He was a little bit intimidating. And he went over the road. I kept an eye on him. He went over the road where this elderly lady was. And I could hear his raised voice, but I couldn't hear what he was saying. So she let him in, which I thought was a mistake. I don't know what he'd said to her, but she, he went in to her bungalow. So I went over there. I went round the back of round the side of her bungalow to round the back garden. And I could see them both in the dining room. So I just kept out of sight. Then they came out into the back garden. And he was saying, oh, I can do this. I can do that. It'll cost you five pounds. I can do this. And she was saying, oh, I don't really want it done. And my husband used to do it, but of course he's gone. And now I just get my son to do it when he's here. And anyway, I just, I went in and I said, listen, the lady doesn't want anything done, all right? And he looked at me, you again, and off he went. He was elderly chap, so there wasn't going to be any fisticuffs or anything. I just saw him off. I said, look, you know, get out of the village, get out of the road. And he did, he wandered off. Had he been polite, less intimidating, less threatening, really, then it might have been a different matter. But uh, when he was saying, oh, I can, I think it was her hedges he was going to trim for five pounds. I mean, that's quite a lot of money back then. And he was talking about doing all these other jobs for her. It's not good. So, yes, even back in those days, there, there was the girl thief and there was this chap. I think I told you about the one that came round with a grindstone thing on a cart. Do you want any scissors sharpened? I said, no, no, no. And knives? Garden shears? I said, no, honestly, again, I didn't have any cash. I said, no, I've got any money anyway. And he was he was quite nasty. You must be something. You must have a pair of scissors at least that you want sharpened. Anything. So I said, no, there is nothing. Go away, you know. And he, he didn't like that at all. I half expected him to come back at some point. The thing to do, what I do now, in fact, if someone knocks on the door, and this happened, what, a couple of years ago now, two or three years ago, some chap knocked on the door, and I just said, oh, no, thanks. Well, you don't know what I'm saying yet. I haven't even spoken, and you're saying no thanks. And he was quite a big lad. So I said, OK, well, what is it? Right, he said, I, what I can do for your roof. So I just said, look, the place is rented, right? The roof does need doing, but it's rented. And the landlord lives in Spain. And that was it. Off he went. But he was he was quite intimidating. I didn't like the look of him at all. But that's a good line. We've had people here before, you know, do you want your driveway done? Do you want your brickwork repointed? I just say, well, yeah, it'd be lovely, but the landlord lives in Spain, you know, if you can find where he is or contact him, then uh, it would be great to get the work done. Of course, they wander off. Your double glazing needs replacing. I know it does. Well, I wish the landlord would do it. Oh, it's rented, is it? And off they go. It works every time. Moving on now for something completely different. Do you remember uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus? And now for something completely different. Email from Ellie. That's not Ellie Golding, is it? I like Ellie Golding's music. I don't suppose she li <laughs> she listens to my podcast. Anyway, Ellie, nice to hear from you. Ellie says, do other people know of anyone that calls their wife or husband by their surname? Now, this isn't her real surname, but she says, my mum always called my dad Mr Chambers. Not Brian. This isn't his real name, of course. 
So instead of saying, oh, Brian, Mr. Chambers, <laughs> what would you like for dinner, Mr. Chambers? She said her mum's done that it was since she can ever remember, since she was young, a, a child, Mr. Mr. Chambers. And <laughs> she said even to this day she calls him Mr. Chambers. Yes, Ellie, I know of a, a... We used to live next door to someone many years ago. And his wife, ne- the couple next door, they were elderly. And we'd hear her shout down the garden, Mr. Jameson, Mr. Jameson, dinner's ready. <laughs> and he'd come up, thank you, dear. <laughs> Have his dinner or his lunch, or whatever it was, Mr. Jameson. Funny that, isn't it? I've, I've never done that. I mean, Trish and I jokingly call each other all sorts of things, which I can't mention on here. But no, that's that's not unusual, Ellie. I have heard of that before. In fact, there was a couple, I, a chap I used to work with, and uh, him and his wife, they called each other by their surname. Not Mr. or Mrs. Their surname was Jones. And they just call each other Jones. Oi, you there, Jones? Yeah, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> just call each other Jones all the time. That was strange. I used to think that was very strange. I saw a friend the other day, a friend of mine, haven't seen him for years, decades, and I felt young. Do you know I felt young? I'll tell you why. He's the same age as me, and he looks so old. I didn't recognise him at first. I just didn't recognise him. I was in a, around a friend's house. I just popped round there to pick up something, and he was there. And I just, he said, oh, hello, Ray. I didn't recognise him at all. I won't mention his name, but uh, he's the same age as me. And he looks, well, at least 15 or 20 years older than me. I mean, what, what's that make him? Sort of in his 90s. <laughs> he looked in his 90s easily. He was doddery and dithery. And oh, dear me, I don't know what's happened to him. But uh, I was quite shocked, actually. I got back and I was telling Trish. I said to her, you know, it really did shake me. Seeing him like that, it's a shame how some people really age at an early age. They look a lot older than they really are. And some people, of course, look a lot younger. I went out with a girl back in the 60s and she was the same age as me, 18, and they wouldn't serve her in pubs. She looked, honestly, she she looked about 14, but she was 18. You know, I met her parents and uh, we talked about it when I first met her. I didn't go out with her for very long because people used to look at me and frown <laughs> going out with some underage girl, but you know, which I wasn't at all. I remember her saying to me that she'd left school and got a job and found it quite difficult to get a job because they all said, well, you're not old enough to be at work. Why aren't you at school? She did get a job eventually, but not facing the public, which is what she wanted. She wanted to be in retail and be sort of public facing or whatever they call it. But they stuck her out the back somewhere in the warehouse. <laughs> until she looked older and then she could go uh, sort of front of house isn't it all these expressions I don't know where I get them from she was a lovely girl but it was just embarrassing really being seen (laughs) with her (laughs) probably get arrested these days I suppose I ought to just set the record straight to why I wanted to go out with her in the first place if she looked that young I didn't want to go out with her I, I just became friendly with her because she was interested in radio she was interested in pirate radio. That's how it started. And I won't go into this, it's a long story, but uh, she was into pirate radio. And one weekend when I was doing some illegal transmitting on the AM band, medium wave band, she turned up with a transistor radio and said, oh, I've been tracking you down, found you at last. So that her interest was that. And uh, it went from there. So... <laughs> 
it went from there. That was good fun, the pirate radio days. Of course, medium wave now, AM you call it in America, don't you? It's becoming quieter and quieter. I think, uh, do you know Absolute Radio? It was started as Virgin, wasn't it, back in the 90s? Virgin, 12.15 or medium wave, AM. It then became Absolute Radio and they're closing down on medium wave. I think they're just going to DAB. So the medium wave band, the AM band, so many have closed down. It's really left it wide open for pirate radio stations. Um, Moving on swiftly. I mean, I wouldn't do that, would I? Stone the crows. Imagine that. Illegal transmissions on the medium wave band. Playing some decent music. Right. Yes, I think we better move on very swiftly. Do you remember I was talking about uh, punishing children, canes, spanking and all that business? Was that last Sunday? I think it was. I meant to tell you something. I forgot. I thought I'd told you. I keep forgetting things. I thought I'd told you that when I listened to the episode, I realised I'd not mentioned it. Now, it's nothing to do with punishing children, really. This girl was 16. And what she used to do, she lived a fair way down the road from me. I was walking home one night and she was in a house. She lived with her parents in a house and uh, her brother. She used to climb out of her bedroom window at the front Hop down on, I saw her, hop down onto the, there's a bit of a flat roof where the garage protruded from the house a little bit, only a few feet. Then she slid down a drain pipe, that's when they had the old metal drain pipes, onto the ground and she'd walk up the driveway to the road and go off out to wherever she was going. One evening I was walking back, I'd been out with friends, it was only about half nine at night, ten o'clock, and I saw her, I watched her doing this and she came out into the road and said, oh hello. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, what are you doing climbing out of the window? I, initially, I thought she was some sort of cat burglar. She said, oh, my parents locked me in my room. I'm just going out. I'm going up the pub for a drink. And I said, well, how old are you? 16? I said, well, you can't go in the pub for a drink. <laughs> You're underage. Oh, that's all right. She said, they know me in there. I must admit, she did look 18, 19, but uh, she was 16. Anyway, she said, do you want to come with me? So I went with her to the pub. And she was telling me that her parents, although they didn't spank her or cane her or anything like that, so it's sort of mildly or loosely related to the punishing children, but they locked her in her room because she, as she put it, was a bit of a rebel. And she was from the things she told me. They'd been locking her in her room because they didn't know what else to do. You know, she would go out at night. So in the end, they said, right, you know, you go to bed at uh, nine o'clock or whatever time. And they would lock the door. They wouldn't go back in there till the morning. They'd open the door and let her out. She did have her own little ensuite place, a little you know, bathroom place. Because um, I did say to her, well, what if you need the toilet in the night? Oh, no, she said, that's all right. There's a little ensuite. Lovely house it was. Nice big house, about five bedrooms. I did go in there in the end. But, oh, that's another story. I met her parents. <laughs> that's another story for another time. We had this arrangement in the end. I'd wander up to the pub, which was past her her house, about sort of half nine, ten o'clock. She'd be looking out for me and she'd come out of the window <laughs> onto the roof, down the drain pipe and join me out in the road. Their lounge where her parents were, the lounge was at the back of the house, which is quite unusual. It's normally at the front, isn't it? And it was at the back, so they couldn't see out into the street. And whenever I walked past about that time of night, she was looking out and we'd go and have a few drinks. And one night she said to me, 
do you want to come back to my place? And I said, well, how can I do that? You know, your parents are... No, 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 no. She said, you climb up the drain pipe, come into my bedroom. And I said, no, I declined that offer. I said, I'm not going up the drain, but someone might see me. Someone might phone the police, see some bloke climbing up the drain pipe. So I didn't do that. I didn't go into her place, but uh, she did come back to mine uh, once. Or How old was I then? I was single. Yeah, I was single. And yeah, she came back to my place a few times. But uh, she was a right rebel, honestly. A friend of mine, he said, you want to keep away from her. He said, I know her of old. You ought to keep away from her. And when I tried to keep away from her, I sort of ended what whatever it was we had between us. I couldn't get rid of her. I know that sounds nasty, but that's the wrong way to put it. She'd follow me. She'd come down her drain pipe and wait down the road to see where I went. And she'd follow me. And it got quite embarrassing in the end. In fact, I had to have words with her dad. In, well, no, that's, that is another story altogether. But um, I had a chat with him and, oh, dear me. Anyway, let's move on to something. I was going to say something brighter, perhaps something healthier. <laughs> Might be the way to put it. <laughs> something healthier. Someone's mowing their lawn now. I suppose I ought to go and mow the lawn. We're going to have a lot of rain coming in, so I might get that done perhaps this evening. I liked living in the village. It was terrific. It was nice knowing people, nice going into the pub and the the landlord or the bar staff. You know, oh, hello, Ray, you know, usual. Yeah, yeah, usual. Lager back in those days, dreadful stuff. I like real ales now, you know, the bottles of real ales or uh, IPA is nice, IPA. When we go up to our club, I have IPA. India Pale Ale, it's rather nice. It's not too fizzy and everything like some of the lagers are. So you don't feel too bloated. I only have a couple of beers anyway. Gone are the days where I'd spend the evening in the pub and perhaps have six or seven pints. <laughs> I couldn't do that now. I'd fall over. I'd just go to sleep, I think. But I did like the village life, even at that age, even, well, when I, when I was the parish councillor, I was early 20s. I loved it. I didn't like being a parish councillor, but I loved the village life. It was great going to the sweet shop to buy my cigarettes. I know. Dreadful, isn't it? I smoked. I smoked for 42 years. Stone the <laughs> coffin nails. Dreadful. But I gave up in the end and uh, feel a lot better for it. But the chap in there, oh, hello, Ray. You know, 20 whatever it was I smoked. JPS. 20 JPS. How about that? John Player Special. <laughs> Dear. And uh, I had a lighter, a gas lighter, you know. Those were the days... Mary Hopkins sang that, didn't she? Those were the days, my friend. We thought they'd never end. I did. I thought they'd never end. Being that age, late teens, early 20s, you know, having fun, I thought they would never end. I didn't, didn't ever see myself as being in my 70s. It's funny, isn't it? When you're young, you just don't... I don't know. Well, I didn't anyway. I didn't think of when I'm old... I won't be able to do this, I won't be able to do that. You're just forever young. That's another record, isn't it? Forever young. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Looking back to those times and the things we used to do. And I know, as I've said many times before, what would you change if you could go back to that time? What would you change? I know my mum has often said that she would change a lot. Are you listening, mum? Hello, mum. She has often said that she would change quite a lot of things. I don't. I suppose I would change certain things, but I don't know. If even the bad times—that's another one. Even the bad times are good. Uh, so, sorry, 
Um, yeah, even the bad times, bad experiences, I think are useful because you can look back on that and think, well, that was not a good time. I came out of that. I've been through that. And you learn from it. It's experience, isn't it? And I think it's good to have experience, both good and bad. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Why am I rambling on about this? But no, seriously, I think looking back, yes, of course, there are one or two things I'd change, uh, you know, big mistakes that I might have made. But in the main, I think I'd leave things just as they were. Oh, I've been watching a couple of programmes recently, nothing to do with bad experiences or girls or thieving in the village. <laughs> I've just been watching these. What is it? Professor Brian Cox. Now, my son in North Carolina. Now, if you're listening, have a look at that. Professor Brian Cox has made some good films about the universe and he goes back to the Big Bang. Now, I've been on about this, haven't I? Because I want to know what there was that went bang. What happened before the Big Bang? There must have been something there. Uh, now, we've had this several times, haven't we? This chap said before the Big Bang, there was nothing material, all right? Nothing, no stuff but there was a sea of energy. Now, it gets worse, doesn't it? A sea of energy. Anyway, he was, I can't quite understand that. I, something went bang. My son said, you've got to try and imagine nothing, nothingness. Well, I, I can't. I can sort of think of a sea of energy. I just, sorry, I'm banging around on my, on my mixer desk. <laughs> mixer desk. Oh, I haven't mentioned this for a while, have I? This is my three pound uh, pine table that I got from an auction for three pounds. Who is it? Two or three of you emailed and said, don't keep on about your something table. We're fed up with your pine table. <laughs> anyway, it's now my mixer desk. So that's what happened. Apparently there was this sea of energy that did something and went bang. But this Professor Brian Cox, he's only a youngish chap, seems very knowledgeable. He's got a good way with him. It comes across fairly easy. Well, I was going to say easy to understand. It's not too bad to understand. He was talking about how the universe is all developing and everything. And it's very interesting. And how many, what was it? How many mi millions of trillions of suns or stars, aren't they? Suns or stars. How many trillions and trillions there are and how the chances of life developing on Earth are kind of, well, billions of trillions to one against. But it happened. <laughs> and it just made me think, watching the, the last one I watched. I forget what that was. Yeah, that was before the Big Bang. That's right. It just made me think that we are such a tiny speck, aren't we, in the whole thing? Basically, a totally irrelevant little speck of nothing. And the time that we're here is minuscule. It's, what was that? Oh, that was it. That was your life. In the sort of billions of years that the planet has been here, we are here with just a... That was it. That was, You've gone. <laughs> it's strange. And I just thought, wouldn't it be nice? That This is the kind of crux of the whole story. Wouldn't it be nice if the short time that we are here, we could all be nice to each other? I don't know why we're killing each other. It's weird, isn't it? We could make the world so much a better place if we all got on with each other and sort of pooled our resources and built nice things instead of building kind of nuclear missiles and tanks and stuff. Why can't we all get on? But there we are. I don't suppose we will ever get on, will we? We never have. There's always been wars. And I suppose there always will be wars. 
until we well, until we blow up the planet. One day someone will push a button. And, what was that? Oh, that's the Earth. Where is it? Oh, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone off in a billion pieces out into the universe. I don't know. But have a look. Have a look if you if you're interested. Professor Brian Cox. I don't know why I mentioned that, but uh, it just came to mind. Now something else I can't remember whether I mentioned or not. RTE, that uh, radio station, Radio One in uh, Ireland, Republic of Ireland, 252 kilohertz, RTE Radio One. They're closing down on uh, Friday the 14th, which is tomorrow. Well, yeah, Thursday today, it's tomorrow. They're closing down on the long wave, uh, long wave transmissions. They're going to DAB and digital and stuff. So that's another setback. I've got a list here of stations that have closed. I won't go through them all, but briefly, Essex, Cambridge, Devon, Leeds, Sheffield, Hartford and Worcestershire, Stoke, Lancashire, Ulster, Foyle, Three Counties Radio, Merseyside, Newcastle. It goes on and on. I've made this list for my nerd website, <laughs> my amateur radio website, because people on there are interested in that. So I shall be putting all that on that website shortly. Stop calling me shortly. Oh, out of interest, if you want to look at that website, and I'm sure you don't, it's G4NSJ, G4NSJ.co.uk. Then you can see all my nerd radio gear. <laughs> Happy days indeed. I think that's enough for this episode, don't you? Yet yeah, No, you're not meant to say yes. You're meant to say, give, give us more, give us more. I'm going to leave you in peace now. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I've enjoyed recording it. I love talking to you all. It's great fun. Sit here on my own, not talking to myself. You'd think so to look at me, but I'm actually talking to you, all my friends, and it's lovely. Have a good week. I will see you on Wednesday. I hope by Wednesday we've got some warmer weather. I'm getting a little bit fed up with this cold and the hailstones the other day. Stone, I don't want to talk about stone the crows, stone the roof. It was so loud, especially out on the patio, under the uh, the patio roof there. It, sound, it sounded awful. You couldn't hear yourself think. Look after yourselves. I shall see you on Wednesday. Bye-bye for now.